Both of these nuts takes the outside by Bodacious Tata pats, passes Waikikamu and Potato is on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. And we go in order. Somebody asked me that. This of course week. we go in order. What other order will we go in? It's the perfect order. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark, and just a warning, if uh, you let your kids play violent video games, guess what could happen to them? Or, if the show is too much for them, the podcast probably will be, but the rant about video games will continue throughout the episode. (laughs) But see, this is one of those cases, it's like the inverse of what people think. You know, there's this the misinformation that video games that are violent cause people to be violent. This is a, a violent kid who changes a video game to mirror his violence. And Barnaby, who exists in a cloud of hypocrisy and doesn't even <laughs> notice. Oh, I think he's being ironic. Anyway, so. got a couple of things up off the top. First of all, uh, the Lovejoy, actually, the podcast, uh, their Royal Trinity Hospice Lockdown Fundraiser is next Saturday, the 16th of May at 8 p.m. GMT. And they've almost raised 500 pounds. That's great. That's fantastic. They're a recap show like we are, but they talk about Lovejoy. And so, yep. you know, fellow British TV recap podcast support. Th- they're fantastic. They're funny. It's really funny. And we're going to go, at least I am, going to go on that uh, fundraiser and show my trivia skills. We've been watching uh, Lovejoy in the evenings yep. to get ready for it. So. Uh, Also, on top of that, we have the official Midsummer Murders Global Top 50. We have 46 to 41. Lay them on me. 46, Death and Dreams. That's the killer kids that we've covered already. Season 6, Episode 2. Last year's model, one of my favorite episodes, Season 9, Episode 8. That's the one where Barnaby comes to her house right at the beginning and arrests her. It's all about the trial and everything's done in the past. I like that episode a lot. 44 is Death in Chorus, Season 9, Episode 7, with our friend Peter Capaldi, Mm -hmm. the doctor. Yep. Uh, leading the choir electric vendetta is season four episode three that we've covered already 42 is dead man's 11 season two episode three which we've covered already and then finally 41 the animal within season 10 episode two wow they're getting some of the big hitters all the way down in the 40s it's gonna be tough when you get to the the animal within is the crazy uncle and the american Right. With, I am uh, an American. scumbag scum in it. Yeah, but not playing the scumbag scum part. What What I think is interesting is like out of this list here, three of them are season nine and ten. Yeah, it's a good season. Those two are good seasons. I'm a, Jones, I'm a Jones guy, so I like Jones. So <laughs> It's the plots that make them good, though. Not the sergeant. Nope. Uh, so today we're covering season eight, episode four, number 39 on the podcast, 
Bantling Boy. Now we're going in order, not like the Midsummer Fifth Doctor. The horse. The horse episode. It's a horse. I was like, oh, I'm not really into horses. I'm not sure uh, if I was going to be into this episode. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one with the worst video game ever. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, there's some crazy stuff that goes on in this. Filmed in September, October 2004, broadcast the 16th of January 2005, 8.8 million viewers, directed by Sarah Hellings. And written by Steve Trafford. So we've basically got an episode about four people who co-own a horse. Yes. It's a syndicate. They are a syndicate. And so the deal is, and with any syndicate that appears on a detective show, members begin to die. Yeah. Uh, The deal is that if you... If you die, you can't pass your shares in the syndicate on to somebody else. Right. It becomes equally split among the remaining living syndicate members. Yeah. Which is like a reason to kill people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, have you ever heard of insurance syndicates? Mm-hmm. Those, uh, there were old insurance plans, that, life insurance policies that had a very similar structure and encouraged yeah. people to kill each other. And that, that's why they're illegal now. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> And everybody in this episode dies in exactly the same way. Yeah, with the same hammer. Yeah. It's a top swage. Top swage. That's what it's called. Okay. We start, actually, Cold Open starts with a blacksmith. And we have the, the, uh, the banging. There's lots of banging and clanging in this episode. Yes, between swords and blacksmiths and jousting. Yeah, okay. There are so many things wrong with the technology <laughs> in this episode. They get consoles, programming, game controllers, everything all mixed up. It's just all crazy. It's very strange. It's like nobody working on this episode had ever played a video game. No, I don't believe they ever had. So they weren't even sure what system it was running on. I, I, I don't know why they were so confused by that. It's all about the story of the video game, and yet there's no real story to the video game. No. And I have to say, like, this is 2004. There were better video games than this at this point. In time. That game looked bad in 2004. It looks yeah. really bad now. Tomb Raider 1 bad graphics. Yeah. <laughs> we have the first death, of course, is Bruce Hartley, who is... The quintessential jerk yes, that he, every episode needs. He is the midsummer trope of, I can't wait for this human to die because he's annoying to everyone. Yeah. And it's usually somebody who's really entitled, yep. wealthy. Yep. That's Bruce. And that is Bruce. He beats his wife. Yep. Beats his wife. He's rude to his mom, rude to his uncle, really rude to everybody. I don't think there's a person that he's nice to. Horse races. He's nice to the horse. That's it. Barely. Barely. If the horse didn't win, he wouldn't be nice to it. No, no. He'd be the first one to put him down if he wasn't a winner. And he starts off by taking one of the characters who's supposed to be riding the horse in this big race. Jake Foley. uh, Off the horse and into and putting some other jockey on. Yeah. That's never named. No. And it's it completely catches Jake Foley by surprise, right? That he's going to be replaced. He's got no warning. He's trained the horse. He loves the horse. 
He rides the horse. He he has an unnatural relationship with that horse. I don't think so. Oh, I, I, <laughs> if you if you train a horse, you spend a lot of time with that horse. I understand that, especially when they're young and they have to be trained everything. I spend a lot of time with the dog, but when I go away, the dog doesn't get sick. She doesn't get sick, but she does pine for you. Oh, whatever. She does. <laughs> Added on to all the weird technology in this episode, we have this tiny little scene of introduction of Scott where he spends an inordinate amount of time showing us that he can plug in a USB. (laughs) He gets to do it more than once. Well, he does it at the end of the episode, but that whole thing at the beginning is to show us that he understands technology. He may be the only one in the episode who does. And can plug in a (laughs) USB. First appearance of USB, first appearance of of Barnaby playing a video game. All these firsts. Yes. In this episode. In the cop shop at the beginning of the episode... Barnaby puts a whole bunch of car theft files on Scott's desk, like... Merry Christmas. Here you go. Here's a whole bunch of work for you to do. Yeah. And then Barnaby's off to the charity horse race. Yes. And Scott says, wow, nice outfit. And I looked at Barnaby's outfit. It's like a sport coat and a shirt. Yeah, it's weird. It looks like what he always wears just without a tie. It's just an excuse to talk. I guess. The Costin Gold Cup is where they're going. Yes. Brought to you by Tate's Bread. We also get to see Angela Hartley. Who is the matron of the manor. Yes. Gardening in her pearls. Who has to cook and clean for herself now. And garden while wearing her pearls. Of course she does. Because Martha Stewart doesn't even do that anymore. Guess who hates Bruce? Everybody hates Bruce. Everybody (laughs) hates Bruce. There's this scene before uh, before the Barnabys leave for the horse race where um, Cully's moping around and talking about how, you know, she's got this audition and she doesn't know how it went. And Joyce and Tom are on either side of the car getting ready to get in the car. Yeah. And he says something about, like, I hope she gets the part. But he says it kind of snarky, just a little snarky. And Joyce holds her hand up and she she has her her fingers fingers crossed. But the first time I saw it, I thought she flipped him off. No, For being no, sarcastic not, about Cully getting a job. Like, not joy. when plus, is this layabout going to get out of our house? You know? Plus, okay. Joyce would never flip Tom off. I was surprised and amused by it. And then I realized she had her fingers crossed. Doesn't Cully have an apartment? That was established this season. She did, but now she doesn't. She had a car, but now she doesn't. But what she does have is this secret depth of knowledge about horses that didn't, we didn't know. Didn't she also have a job last episode? She used to be a travel agent. Okay. Twice. <laughs> she was a travel agent. When it was convenient. You know, but now she's going to work with horses, but not get paid. I guess. She gets to get, she gets free meals if she works at Fallow Fields. Which, if you're Joyce's kid, is probably a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> they might be edible. <laughs> and the whole thing about fallow fields is it's totally one of those, I'll put you, I'll get you a job here. Everybody else realizes that's a dangerous place, except for Barnaby. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to hide this secret, very important horse that somebody may be trying to kill and everybody related to is being murdered. But I'll get you a job here, kid. Yes. That doesn't really pay, but keeps you off my couch. 
Yes. Like, what? 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 You're in danger now? <laughs> well, we know that her mother is really the killer in every episode secretly. Absolutely. So Cully's not in danger. Joyce would never hurt Cully. So the day of the big race, usually big days, but there's two big days in this episode. Mm-hmm. Right? Though the second big day, I'm still not sure if it's the rehearsal or the actual big day. <laughs> it's the rehearsal. So the first big day is the race. Yes. Osgood bets 500 pounds on Bantling Boy. Okay, so Bantling Boy is three to one. Osgood puts 500 pounds down on a three to one horse, which means he comes away with three, 2,000 pounds. Not 1,500? Well, no, he gets his original money back plus oh, 1,500. Plus, plus three times. Three to one. Nice. Where is all his money? <laughs> <laughs> like he's got a beamer? Yeah. He's got a nice house with a. Weird, um, if you didn't notice, there's a palmistry palm in his office mm-hmm. that has the palm, like reading your palm lines. Yeah. He also has a doctor's. He also has a <laughs> the um, phrenology, phrenology head. head. Yeah. And an African mask of some sort and all kinds of little weird things. I yeah. think it's to tell us that he's an interesting person. Well, he's a rich person. And that but he's smart. In every other episode, follow the money. This episode, oh, well, Osgood won a whole crap whole pile of money. Oh, well. Two grand's not a huge amount. I'll take it. But it's not worth killing three people over, including, well, himself being the fourth one. <laughs> Give me my money. <laughs> so Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> Osgood puts 500 on Bantling Boy at the, at the bookie. I think that's the character's name. Yeah. Bookie. And Cully and Joyce take Tom's wallet and just go off to place a bet. Yes. Like, they just take his wallet. And they then, don't say, hey, Dad, you got some cash? We want to place a bet. They just no, take his wallet just away. take it away. So the, the horses are Bantling Boy, who's three to one, Hawksbill, which is six to four. And that's the horse that Scott bets on. Right. Uh, Midsummer Girl, which is seven to two. Indian Tonic, which is six to one. Hay Winner. Which is twelve to one, and Carmelite, which is eight to one. Those horse names are way too normal. Oh, absolutely. First, I've got a problem with Bantling Boy. Yes. The whole episode is about a secret. The secret being that Peter, the little boy, is actually the son of Mister Hartley, who's dead. Right. Yeah. That he is the bastard of the Hartley fam- Hartley family, and we never see Hartley. And it's supposed to, well, except in his painting. Yes. It's supposed to be this ginormous secret, but Hartley names the horse Bantling, Bantling boy, boy, which means bastard boy. <laughs> I guess it's not a secret anymore. Yeah, that's, an, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of outing it, don't you think? I think he may have been losing his marbles with the, the cancer. Maybe his jokes weren't funny. Certainly Angela didn't find them funny, so... And Bantling Boy is only 12 letters if you put this base in. Yeah. So horse names, by law, can be no more than 18 characters. Okay. And it seems like people who own horses want to use every character they can. Usually you have much more, like, lengthy names that are funny. And sometimes references to, like, the sire of the horse or, you know. Bantling Boy is not fun to yell. It's no. not it's like, go bailing boy. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it's not the worst name. 
So I looked up crazy horse names. Yeah. There's too many to choose from. First I'm of all. sure there is. The oldest stupid horse name I could find was Pato. Mm. Pato what? The horse's name was supposed to be Potato. Yeah. But they wrote Pot and then eight O's. Okay. And this is an 18th century. This is in the 1700s. This name, this horse was named Pato. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't you get it? Yeah. Pot eight O's. Oh, potato. So there's eight O's. Get now it? I do. Get now it? I do. Huh? Huh? There's also one called Waikikamoo. No, Waikikamoo Cow. Waikikamoo Cow. Yes, which is spelled in all kinds of crazy Waikiki Mac. There's no C in it. It's all K's. Yeah. Um, Bodacious Tatas. Bodacious Tatas. A very successful racehorse in 1985. What am I chopped liver? Successful horse in the 70s. Cool. Um, in 2002, a winning horse was called 18 Characters. Because that's how many characters you have yep. in a horse. Get it? Huh? 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 Um, how about Bofa These Nuts? Bofa These Nuts. Yep. Who was a gelding? What's, uh, what's the name of the horse in the other episode? In the, in the episode with the bell ringers. Ring-a-ding-ding. That's it, because they're bell ringers. And then apparently there's this whole, like, vein of angry male horse owners who uh-uh. hate their wives and ex-wives. Okay. So there's a horse called F and X. F and X. Dr. Russell Cohen's horse. F and X. Is a, it's a reference to his ex-wife. Okay. F and X. And then there's uh, my wife knows everything and the wife doesn't know. Oh. Who raced against each other. Oh. My wife knows everything one. Of course, all of these are meant to be fun to say. But if you're the announcer. But with the announcer, right? Yeah. Right. There's always the joke of, uh, it's cabbage by head. Right. Yeah. Both of these nuts takes the outside by bodacious tata pats, passes waikikamu and potato is on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> it does make it more fun to listen to horse races. It does. <laughs> But I feel, you know, we, we watch hockey and I'm always so impressed with the announcers. They can not only recognize every player just by their number, like they've memorized every player, but they can pronounce even the, the craziest foreign names that are like oh. too wide to even go on a jersey. Yeah. But these horse race announcers have them beat by a mile, no pun intended, Yeah. that they can say these names much faster than oh, that. Crazy. They must practice. And they must see lists of new competing horses and go, oh, really? Come on, come on. <laughs> I got to say, why kick a moo? Why kick a moo, moo cow? What? What? <laughs> okay. Why kick a moo cow? Bodacious tatas. So also there is a fundraiser for Fallowfield's Retirement Home for Horses and Ponies, or as I like to call it, the Glue Factory. Pre-glue. Pre-glue. <laughs> And just like with greyhounds and things like that, horse animals that are used in competition, there's usually some kind of charity that does something for them once they're retired. So they're not just put down when they're no longer useful. And it's nice that Fallow Fields does that. 
And of course, Joyce wants to donate their winnings to it. Barnaby's like, wait a minute, you bet 30 pounds and we won and you're just going to give it away? Yep. And then he just takes it to fallow fields in cash and just gives it to them. I guess you're not going to deduct that off your taxes or anything? Nope. 90 bucks. <laughs> there you go. But Bantling, somebody wants to buy Bantling, boy. Sam Tate. And mm. his Roman bath. And his very orange outfit. He, he all, the races. He's bad clothes and tacky. He's clearly nouveau riche, yeah. right? He's yeah. not classy. He does not have the breeding. He's not as nouveau riche as the mayor is when we get to the mayor. Yeah. Because, oh boy, the mayor is a whole season of horrible. But he clearly is supposed to be without class or taste. Yeah. He wants to buy Bantling Boy. He wants to marry Angela. Why? So he can have the manor. But couldn't he just buy it? I don't know. Maybe he wants to. I if he marries her, it's her family home, and it guess. stays in the family. Then he maybe he gets a title or something. I don't know. But I, Angela is a fine actress, but I'm not sure I would want to marry her. <laughs> She's not the nicest person in the world. Her character. Angela Hartley is played by Caroline Blackiston. Yes. Who was in an awesome movie called The Trigon Factor back in the 60s. Have you seen this? I'm pretty sure I've seen this. The Trigon Factor is a movie about Scotland Yard becoming suspicious of a big country mansion that uh, also has a convent on the grounds. Yeah. Yeah. This is. It's a mansion full of fake nuns. They're really planning a big bank heist. Yes. And she plays one of the nuns. Yes, I remember this. The Trigon Factor. Trigon Factor. I didn't get a chance to look up what the Trigon Factor actually was. Like, what is it? No, I have no idea. Uh, but she, she plays um, one of the fake nuns in the big habit, like the flying nun habit. Well, she's got quite the headgear in this episode, too. When, when they're at the medieval reenactment thing? Yeah. Yeah, the tourney. Yeah. So Bruce is killed with a sledgehammer from, I assume that it's actually from Craxton's blacksmith, from his smithy. One would think. I don't know why anybody else would have that hammer. It's not a hammer used in the shoeing of horses, so they wouldn't have it at the barn. But they might have it in the house as like medieval crap on the walls. It's not a weapon. What is it? A swage hammer, so if you remember from the episode, it has two ends of the, of the hammerhead, right? Yeah. One is kind of a rectangular blunt end, and the other one is like a long C shape, like a, like a tube, like a pipe cut in half. Yeah. Right? And the reason it's called a top swage is that there is a bottom swage that is that same kind of half tube shape but it's flat on the other side, right? Okay. So you put the top swage down on the anvil, you put the hot iron in between, and then you hit it with the um, top swage hammer, and it makes it round, right? It's uh, almost okay. like um, a mold that yeah. you can move and hit okay. with. That makes sense. So it's to make like rounded bars. Which it, are not it has weapons. N- nothing to do with horseshoes at all. It's not a weapon. Well, I mean, it can be used as a weapon, obviously. But And Jeffrey, who's the killer in this episode, is not supposed to be all there. He's not supposed to be very smart. And yet he's smart enough not to use that tube side to hit people. 
Because, man, if you hit somebody on the head with the tube side, it would leave a distinctive mark. Yeah. There would be no question what hits did it. Hits it with the hammer end. But he hits it with the kind of rectangular blunt end. And so it just looks like any kind of blunt instrument. So Jeffrey is the trope of the male child of inbreeding, in a sense, right? I, 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 you know, the, the rich, titled... Long lineage family always has the one kid that isn't quite what they hoped for. Yeah. And that's Jeffrey. And he, I'm not buying Jeffrey. I'm not buying that he is exactly the way he is. I'm not buying that he's not a murderous, crazy person. Like, I'm buying. He's not as simple as they'd like you to believe. Yeah. That's what I'm not buying. I mean, he's he's dressed well every day, and they yeah. don't have the help to, like, dress him. So he's no. clearly able to take care of himself. Yes. He's able to use things like bows and arrows and not hurt anybody. Yeah. He, you know, he's he's not an imbecile by any means. No. Now, he may not be a Rhodes Scholar, but and he may be impressionable. Maybe he's think, a bit naive. I think he could live independently, too. I think he could, too, if it weren't for Angela. Yeah, but, but he's certainly not a victim. No, and even though they portray Peter as the real villain here. But Jeffrey kills Bruce without Peter's intervention. No, because Bruce yells at his mom. Wouldn't he have yelled his at, sister. His, at his, at his well, sister? Well, Jeffrey's sister, Angela. All the time? Yeah, but he's had enough of it. Uh, inciting incident here. I'm like, well. I think it's, it's supposed to be kind of a, a long grind well, luckily, Jeffrey doesn't play video games or else he'd start killing. Never mind. <laughs> so when, they, they, when, when the police show up at the barn where Bruce has been killed, they call Ray Craxton, the blacksmith, over because Bantling Boy has stepped in the blood. Yeah. Right? So his horseshoe is now evidence. Yes. And so Ray puts on some latex gloves. Yes. Removes the... The shoe from the horse's foot, hands it to George, and then goes back in with the bloody gloves on to put a new shoe on the horse. <laughs> like, contaminating evidence much? Well, maybe Ray's as drunk as a cart. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> he's describing Bruce. He goes, he's drunk as a handcart. What? <laughs> Wasn't there a saying like hell in a hand cart or it's hell in a hand basket, hand basket. And then people say hand cart sometimes, but never have I heard drunk as a hand cart. I don't, I don't remember that either. Uh, Mariana, who is Bruce's wife. Uh, Who's has, getting hit. By the way, she's abused. She's abused. She's got abusing marks. She does. And she's hurt. She's got a black eye, and her wrist has been at least sprained by Bruce. Yep. And John Osgood, who's the village doctor and secretly wealthy in some way, comes to help her. Um, but oh, he when, helps her, all right. But when Tom and Scott go to interview her, she's in their cottage, which I guess is like on the grounds. They live on the grounds of Bantling Hall. Yes, because um, they see... Peter walking away. Yeah, because Peter hangs out there all the time, even though it's not his house. And Mariana is sitting on a couch 
in their sitting room that is a couch that has bothered me for a long time. So this is not the first episode that we have seen one of these couches. Okay. In these country manor settings in Midsummer and in other shows too, you see these sofas that have very high backs. High backs. High straight backs. Yeah. And they've got these ginormous knobs on the corners at the top. Okay. Have you never noticed the ginormous knobs? No. If it's not made out of paper or computers, <laughs> I don't pay attention to it. Apparently. They're ginormous knobs, and they always have ropes around them. I will have to put a picture of these ginormous knobs with ropes around them okay. in the show notes. These knobs have bothered me for a long time. And okay. many times I have sat down to find out what those couches are. What is up with that sofa? Yeah. Why do they have the ginormous knobs? Okay. <laughs> and you can just imagine the Ginormous search. knobs has to go into the title of the <laughs> so, episode now. I have tried like British antique sofa knobs. British antique settee ropes. Don't do sofa with giant knobs. I'm telling you right now. I have done sofa with big knobs on back. <laughs> All these searches. And I sat down yesterday. I'm like, damn it. I'm going to find out what is up with those knobs. I need to know (laughs) the knobs are bothering me. Okay. Why do these fancy sofas in these richy rich houses have these big knobs that have ropes on them? I need to know. I finally found out. Okay. Lay it on me. Okay. And I'm so glad I did because it's super cool. And I'm sure there are people out there going, duh, I know what that is. Okay. But I didn't. And I had no way of finding out. We weren't brought up in a manor house. No, I didn't live in a country mansion. No, I lived in the country, but like in a shack. Okay. Well, not so really, these but. sofas are called knoll sofas. K-N-O-L-E. Okay. And they are amazing. Okay. I'm showing Mark a picture of a knoll sofa. The knobs and the ropes hold the sides of the sofa up. Oh. It is a convertible sofa. Oh. So the arms can lay down, making it a bed. Oh, like a single bed. Yes. That's a pretty smart idea. And they've been around since the 1700s. They are like technologically savvy sofas. I will put that picture also in the show notes. Now, know what the damn knobs are for. You see them because, they, you know, they're talking to some character who's sitting on the sofa. And because the back is so high, it's like above shoulder height. You see the knob right next to their head. And I've seen wooden knobs and cloth covered knobs and fancy knobs and pretty ropes and trashy ropes and tasseled ropes. And I kept thinking, what is up with those Damn knobs. And the reason why we keep seeing them is that they are rare and they were fancy in their time. And so having a knoll sofa is not only saying I have antiques, but I have antiques that were very, very cutting edge when they were new. Yeah. Like these rare things, basically. Definitely. That's cool. It's the secret language of sofa knobs (laughs) that we weren't privy to. Let's hope there's no knobs in the privy. Now I know about you, Noel Sofas. I've got your number. We know. Now, whenever we see something that has a Noel sofa on it, we'll be like, Noel sofa! Trevor lives in a wheelchair and has breath like a badger. He does. But he has the best beer mug ever. 
What? Yes, he does. He's got a bike bell on it's it. Ding, 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 when he wants a refill. What an annoying thing to the I landlord. I, somebody should hit him over the head for that. Wait a minute. Maybe he doesn't need to be in the wheelchair. <gasps> Look, he's walking. Oh, we forgot that entire plot completely as soon as we saw that. Well, as soon as he walks outside of his house, he gets killed. Yeah. Doesn't Jeffrey go, wait a minute, you're walking. Bonk, bonk on the head. <laughs> the whole idea of Trevor, the whole reason he's in a wheelchair when he can really walk is to tell us that he's a skis. He's skeezy. That he's trashy and a liar. And he's committed to his falsehoods. And that he he will take advantage of the system for yeah. his benefit. Yeah. That he cares about himself more than other people. And he lives up to that. You know, he thinks he can negotiate with Sam Tate about the price of the horse without ever talking to Joanna when she's still alive. When they're both when they're the two that are left. Yeah. You know, and let's just stick a logo on a transit van and call it a midsummer vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you could see it stuck on. Yeah. Well, I'll give him that. It's okay. Yeah. Did you What notice- is Angela whacking in the front yard? <laughs> I think she's driving a piece of wood into the ground to support a young tree. Okay. Because. Like a stake. She's really whacking it. She's not doing a very good job. No. Speaking of Angela and weirdness, did you notice the great big Toby jugs on her mantle? I, no, I didn't notice that, but why do they have a century's worth of firewood outside of the building? <laughs> Maybe she's better with an axe than she is with a sledgehammer. <laughs> On both sides of the front door are huge piles of wood. Why would you put them there, too? I don't like, why know. Why would you put them in the back? I, I don't know. I just was like, wow, that's a lot of firewood. The whole house is like a shrine to horrible ancestors. When Barnaby first shows up, she talks about the ancestors. This guy was in the gunplower plot. This guy was on the wrong side during the Civil War. This guy was an American revolutionary. Why do they still have any sort of house at all? I don't know. But it's like, here's a traitor. Here's a dumbass relative who died in a bad way. Here's another traitor. Here's a backstabber. Here's a cheater. But it's all in the breeding. Yes. Yeah, it is. Breeding crazy people. Crazy people in your family. I I bring up these Toby jugs because anybody who um, knows anything about Toby jugs will appreciate these Toby jugs. Do you know what they are? No. Um, You've seen them before. Um, It's a British thing. It's like a, a ceramic mug. It's rather big. And they're either in the shape of a big face oh, yeah, or yeah. of a person. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. The ones that are on her mantle are about 18 inches tall, which is ginormous. Yeah. And they're pitchers. Do they have bells on them? No. <laughs> but they do have big faces on them. Yes. And the front part that would be the pitcher spout yeah. is like the front of a, a tricorn hat. Oh. They're very fancy. And there's a matching pair. That oh. makes them more, more valuable. Oh, okay. They're weird. I know you see them all the time on Antiques Roadshow and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're a well-known thing, but I'd never seen any like that. They're pretty cool. 
she with the swimming pool eyes. What the <laughs> hell does that mean? <laughs> she does do, uh, Mariana does do that wide-eyed, innocent victim stare a lot. She does, and then she just disappears. Then she's just gone. Gone, gone, gone. Once, once Osgood is killed, she's just not important anymore. Like, was she well, like only on the set for half the movie? Like, did she have another gig or something? She just, she just had to go. Anna Wilson-Jones is her name. Yeah. She's also in Death and the Divas, uh, which is a 2013 episode. Yeah. But yeah, she just disappears like halfway through the episode. The other thing about Bantling Boy, the episode, is that it is one of the best episodes to feature the Scott Walk. Yes. He... You know, he used to be an inner city cop, you know. He's he a did. Bit tough. He did. He was tough. Which is why when he walks, he swings his arms side to side and they kind of like cross behind his back. Yep. When they kind of alternate because that makes him look like his chest is puffed out and he's tough. Yep. We see a lot of Scott walk in this episode. I just don't think they understand what to do with Scott. Yeah. Again, I think they thought it was a good idea. And I, you know. I don't want to speak ill of anyone, but he's not the actor that Troy is. He's not the actor that Jones is. The character isn't. Yeah. So I don't know about him as an actor. He's he's probably a wonderful actor. He's done tons yeah. of stuff since this, but he do, they don't give him a lot of character to play. No. So you don't I, really know. I can see why he got sick one day and left. <laughs> I quit. More on that in four episodes. Yes. <laughs> Did you notice... Um, Trevor Machen has dead ravens hanging outside his gate. I did indeed. Do you know why? Uh, because he shoots birds and cleans them. But but he's just hanging those there. Yes, as a warning. Yes. Yes. That's exactly why. Yep. Because ravens won't go near dead ravens. Oh. So it keeps them away. So I guess he doesn't like ravens. I guess not. I like ravens. I've got tattoos of ravens. I think they're really cool. I think that, you know... You should stop lying about being an old chair. And I certainly wouldn't want them hanging over my front gate. Like, like uh, you can hang them high in a tree. It doesn't matter where they are. They don't have to be at eye level. Yeah. At face level. And God forbid the landlord finds out that he's not actually in the wheelchair. Well, and I think the ravens give them away, frankly. Yeah. Because they're tied at the top of the arch of the gate. <laughs> so clearly he stood up to put them up there. Yeah. <laughs> Unless somebody else hangs his dead ravens for him. <laughs> And then I thought, he's cleaning pheasants and stuff. So did he shoot the pheasants? And if he did, did he go out on a shoot in his motorized wheelchair? Because I know they can be pretty rugged and go over all terrain, but there's a limit. Soon we will see them in jousts. Yes, that's true. Yep. We will. Ray, outside of his, um, his smithy, has some interesting stuff. So when they go to see him for the first time, they walk up from the street. Yeah. And he's got a whole lot of ironwork like out front of the smithy to advertise what he does. Yeah. Including gates and trellises. He's an ornamental armor. Yeah. All yeah. the stuff that you would expect to see. Except the gibbet. He's got a gibbet. What's a gibbet? Way back when they used to... Um, when they had a, a public execution, this is like in medieval times, and the person was particularly bad and they wanted to make example of them, they would hang them first, and then they would put their dead body in a gibbet and hang it outside. Oh, like it's a, a big wrought iron metal cage. Yeah, not a uh, 
it's sort of shaped like an Iron Maiden. Yeah, like but it's not an Iron Maiden. Yeah. But it's a cage. Yeah. And yeah, so the body would be in there and it would rot and birds would peck at it. Nice. And it was, it served as an example to other people. Yeah. So he's made one of these and it's outside the front of his smithy. Oh, nice. The other way that they use them, and this, this use I didn't know about, is that in coastal towns, when they would capture a pirate... And not an arr pirate, but anybody who was like taking stuff from other people's ships and sinking ships, they would put them in a gibbet cage off of the edge of a, um, like a dock. Yeah. And they would hang them just so their face was at the high water mark. Oh. But they would hang them out at low tide. Oh. So everybody knew when the high water come up, they'd probably drown. And they knew it too. And they would watch that water rise. Uh, there's a death in creep show like that. Yeah, but if they hung them just right, they wouldn't drown the first time. First time. Wow. That is a bad way to die. That's a bad way to go. Never mind all the asshole kids on the dock probably throwing rotten stuff at you all day while you were waiting to die. <laughs> Got to do something while you're fishing on the dock. I'm just glad Ray took the time to make one, you know, to show off his skills. Yes. Because you never know when you're going to need a gibbet. So let's talk about this video game. The Secret of the Ring. Yes. Peter's so, favorite pastime besides being an asshole to people. Yes. And yet he leaves his computer on the floor at one point. Because that's what kids do. We see it all over our house every day. Oh, I just bought you that expensive thing. Please leave it somewhere where it can easily get broken. It's not the best UI either. User interface. You can choose from the following weapons. An axe, a sword... A hammer, get it, hammer, get it, get it, get it, a mace, which is actually a morning star, not a mace. Yeah. And a pike. Which is a spear. Yeah. Right. Um, but they don't change any of the weapons. And then the game, as it progresses, apparently shows gravestones of the people who have died. Only if you make it to the secret level. Yes. Do you get to see the graveyard? Did you notice that one of the people that you can fight as the knight is a little hunchback guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are you fighting the cripple? That's so mean. According to the Midsummer Magazine, for this production, the team turned to the Wrexham-based Octane Digital Studios. They went out of business in 2006. They did indeed. <laughs> I, looked, I looked up there. <laughs> Which Company's specialized in the design of video games. For a year. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mount, who founded the company, was thrilled to see his work on TV. Really? I bet you he's not thrilled now. Yeah. In the episode, however, Barnaby is less than thrilled with the bloodthirsty nature of the game. He might be re relieved to know that the sound of the crashing swords was created by two spoons being banged together in Patrick's kitchen. Yes. That's how they got the folio for this, the the swords that we hear a lot. Yes. Like if you hear them off screen, it's because Peter's playing the game, right? He is shown. I just noticed because you asked me to look something up. He's shown typing once. Sometimes he's playing the game like he's using the QWERTY <laughs> keyboard. Yep. Which a lot of games do that, right? Yes. Forward, back, side to side. It's like four letters of the keyboard that you use or the arrow keys. Yep. Sometimes he seems to have his hand in the proper typing position and is typing random letters yes. to play the game. And then sometimes he has a video game controller seemingly plugged into nothing 
yeah. that he uses to play the video well, no, game. USBs, because USBs exist now, because yeah. we know Scott knows Ooh. how to use them. When Tom plays the game, he uses the, the game controller to play it. Yes, he does. Now, that game controller is a weird game controller. It's like a generic brand, isn't it? Yes. We see the name brand of it once. Yes, it is a Gamester LMP joystick. Ah. Yeah. They're hard to find because they didn't exist for very long. (laughs) And when Jeffrey plays, he puts his hand over the controller in a weird way. Yeah, like he doesn't know how to use a game controller. Which... He knows how to sneak up on somebody, premeditatedly kill them. Leaves, Clean a weapon, hide cl- the weapon in the priest's yeah, hole. Like all sorts of things that he would be able to do with a controller. Yeah. He knows how to shoot an arrow. Barnaby knows how to use the controller better than that. Because <laughs> there were so many better games out in 2006. All he needs to do is just download the proprietary software off the internet and fix a couple of variables and loops. <laughs> I teach programming. <laughs> That's not programming. That's not how you do it. It's not how it works. Not how it works. And Tully then, is pissed again. I didn't get the job. She's frittering away her life. What about the travel agency? You know, I don't know how that travel agency stayed in business as long as it did. Yeah. Never mind that we own the URL now. So yes. they're really screwed now. <laughs> but um, she, she didn't seem to be particularly good at it and it's not her thing mark that's not her dream career no she is an actor not a travel agent yes but apparently she's also a secret horse whisperer she's a horse whisperer (laughs) she knows everything barnaby's like hey uh you know uh i've never mentioned you before but now we're best friends can i keep a horse here i know it means that we're bringing some real danger to your little retired horse home because uh, people might be trying to kill this horse, but you're on the middle of nowhere, so that'll work, right? Never mind. Racehorses and retired horses have completely different needs in terms of stabling and oh, yeah. exercise and things like Which that. Which is why Jake Foley goes out there to take care of the horse. I'm su- The thing that surprises me most about this episode is Jake and, and Kelly don't, don't make fall out. in love. <laughs> yeah. They bond over horses. Okay, so the doctor dies. He dies next, yes. My note says, Osgood's tiny medical records, bashed headlight, oops, bashed head. Yes. (laughs) So Jeffrey bashes the headlight of his car. Again, pretty smart to lure him outside. Yep. And then hits him over the head. So we start to get the, you know, Bruce doesn't. You you had that. I had library cards, BMW light, whammo. So Bruce doesn't get the gag, but the other three victims get the gag in their mouth. Because now. Now Jeffrey is avenging the the bantling. Yes. Right? And he's in control now. Uh, no, Peter's in control now. And we're supposed to think that the gag is the pennant. Yeah. To me, it looks like a handkerchief. Yeah, it's not triangular shape. They never hold it up and say, look, it's triangular shape. Yeah. So I'm. I'm kind of dubious of that. Uh, I don't I understand know. the gag is in like, don't tell the secret. Yeah. But who is it a secret from? I don't know. Now. Nobody. Nobody. Everybody Barnaby knows. figures it out in two minutes. Ray knows. Oh, poor Ray. Mariana we'll get to knows. Ray. Everybody we'll knows. Yeah. So it's, it's not a secret. I'll, d- I'll give you one thing that you probably don't know about me. Mm. 
I collected pennants as a small child. Did you use them as gags? I had 500 <laughs> pennants in my Whoa. life. Whoa! I had pennants from those felt pennants. Yeah. I had them from everywhere. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep. Cover your walls with them? Yeah, I did. Yeah. They're all gone somewhere now. And But you never used them as gags? No. Okay, good. Never. Because that would have been something I really didn't know about you. No. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. Would you... When your son was really small, would you have ever called a doctor for a home visit because he had a nightmare? The video games are giving him nightmares. <laughs> but we'll still let him play them all the time. My favorite is, I've sent you, Jeffrey, to go kill my mom, but I'll go play video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So then we get to the... Jousting day. The, the medieval weird day. Weird Fair medieval day practice, maybe not practice day. It is a practice because Ray is in charge and he has his stopwatch on and there are no visitors. There's no okay. audience. It's all people dressed up because they're practicing. There's a piggy. There is a character that clearly is important. There yep. is a scene on the cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah. That I need to see. <laughs> I have a theory about this, by the way. Because the guy pulls up on a motorcycle, takes off the helmet. He's bald. But he is wearing full makeup, long eyelashes, and a Tudor dress. Yep. Corset, everything. You know he's got a wig in the pillion. You yep. know he's got a great big wig in there. Yep. Something... We don't get to see it. We don't nope. get to see anything. There's a cross-dresser, motorcycle, medieval guy right there. What it is. is we the, don't get to know what happened. Is the cross-dresser motorcycle is from the last episode. All I know is he's awesome. And he is, I wanted more of him. I, they're, they're, he's just gone. The, the Ren Fair background is the best part of this episode. Yeah. Because not only do you get that, you get, hey, you, buddy, get in the stocks. Yeah. They're really practicing because he clearly does not want to get in those stocks. But my favorite is during the joust, which they do a real joust. Yeah. Okay. Jousting is horribly dangerous. Yes. Right? You can die. Yeah. So what they do usually when practice jousting is use balsa wood lances. Right, that right. break very easily. Yeah. They're going to snap they just before shatter. They're, they're not even going to knock the other guy off the horse. Yeah. If you hit him, it's going to break. Not here. No, 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 no. But Mark, they put some potting soil down, so if you fall, you won't get hurt. It's nice that they put it exactly where he fell down. Yes. <laughs> and that the horse is able to run over it seamlessly without any issue. Yes. But hey, before the jousting starts, Ray hollers. The jousting is about to start. He gets everybody's attention. He does. He gets the attention, including of guy on ground with book. Yes. <laughs> There's a guy lying on the ground with a book. He's on his side. It's just relaxing. And then he's like, whoa, the joust is happening. I better put my book away. <laughs> Maybe he's going to go hang out with the crossdresser on the motorcycle. It's important. Trevor buys it. Yep. It's hit. Over the head by his trash cans. Oh, before that, though, they go to back to the cop shop and look at the murder wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on the murder wall, it says, Bruce Hartley murdered at Lodge Stables, red underline, 
uh, death by blow to the back of the head with heavy blunt interest, uh, instrument, forensics, horse show, and farrier's hammer. That's what it says. Okay. There's also a Midsummer County map, mm-hmm. which I'd really love. And this is on the cop shop wall? Yeah. Okay. That Midsummer County map is labeled Midsummer County map. Oh. Then underneath that, well, kind of off to the side, is another map of the area. That has nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> okay. It has at least a dozen houses with people's names and labels. Mm-hmm. None of those people appear in the episode. So it's from another case. It, maybe. Maybe it's from the car thefts. Because, you know, they solve those. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Who's doing the... That's a good question. So they solved it, though. Yeah. Who did it? I don't know. But how can they solve it if you don't know? I don't know. But Tom says, let's stop by the pub and let them know that we've solved the car thefts from their parking lot. That's right. At the end of the episode. And we have no idea what he's talking about. None. None at all. Unless Peter was also a car thief and they forgot to mention it. Trevor is inside his house. Yes. Without his chair. Right. Wouldn't people know that if he left his chair outside that he could walk? No, his chair's inside, but no. he gets up from it and walks away from it. No, no, no. When he gets killed, the chair's outside, and he walks out the door with the trash. The chair is already out on the patio? Yes. Well, that's less suspicious than if it was in the house. I guess. And he was outside. I guess. <laughs> I guess he keeps it around just in case he needs to sit in it suddenly. Bonk, bonk on the head. Yep. Trevor goes down. Yep. And, like, there's all these scenes where Ray is making weapons and there's killing happening. Right. So, Ray, let's, let's get this out in the open here. Ray gets shifted in this episode and treated the worst possible. First of all... He's he, completely innocent and he no, gets no, shafted. Before that, we have to discuss the hair. He's got curly hair. What are you going to do? Uh, well, give him a perm because that's what it looks like. It looks like <laughs> curly hair with a perm. He's played by Shane Atwell. Yep. Don't talk bad about Shane. Shane is the lead singer of a band called The Big Orange Head. The Big Orange Head? And they rock. Okay, cool. We will post a link to a music video. Of The Big Orange Head? He's the lead singer and they are jamming. Like what kind of music do they play? Um... Hard folk. Hard folk, okay. You can dance to it. Yeah. His band, the Big Orange Head, is much better than the brand, the band that Bruce Hartley's, uh, the actor who plays Bruce Hartley is Simon Kunz. Yeah. K-U-N-Z, Kunz. That's Kunz. a bad last name. <laughs> uh, when he was in college, he was the drummer for a band called The Locomotives. Oh. Uh, he quit the band just before they got their first record deal. Okay. Because he thought they were losers. Okay. Because he didn't like where they were going. Okay. That band is not good. Okay. But the Big Orange Head. Big Orange Head is better? It's good. We'll put videos from Maybe both. it's a reference to his hair. Big Orange Head. He's and not quite Locomotive. a ginger, but yeah. Big Yellow Head just doesn't sound as good. Yes. So Ray always tells the truth. He's completely shafted because his son is not his son and he hasn't known. Everybody else has known Oh, for his forever. wife dies. Gets then, killed. Then his wife gets killed. His his son, well, he, who he thought it was his son, wants nothing to do with them, and is a murderer. Yeah. And more than likely, the medieval thing's not going to go on anymore, so he's out of that whole thing, too. Yeah, which was like his favorite thing. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor Ray. Never mind that he gets arrested and released twice. 
Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong. Why is the vicar even in this show? Because it's funny to see some a vicar knocked off a horse wearing his dog collar underneath his chain mail. It just doesn't need to be I've there. never seen a dog collar under chain mail. No. It's probably the, <laughs> that only, was a first. the only instance of it. <laughs> but Tom is printing out that family crest on that fancy mm-hmm. color printer. Why? <laughs> and he almost acts like he has to pull it out. Like, Tom, you don't have to hold it. It will come out on its own. And does he go to the website for Angela's family to print? <laughs> no, it's clearly like a copy. Yeah. Because it's got like a spiral binding on one side. Yeah. So it's like a scan. The hammer of vengeance and the pennant of pride. The holy trinity, motive, opportunity, and evidence. So when, when Scott quotes that back, is he being sarcastic or is he showing off for Tom saying, I heard you? No, I think he's being sarcastic. Okay. I think <laughs> so now that Trevor is dead, Joanna, who's Ray's wife, and she's the district nurse, yeah. she is the sole owner of Bantling Boy. Yes. She should be in a safe house somewhere. Yeah, I think. But no, she's wandering around at night. Before that, Jeffrey and Peter and Angela go to visit Bantling Boy. Mm-hmm. And there's a clue. What, that the horse doesn't like Jeffrey? Yeah. Because it's all in the breeding. Yes. Even though uh, Jeffrey is, well, he's not, he is a bantling. Well, he's no, a full-blooded bantling. He doesn't like him because bantling boy remembers that he well, killed Well, right. That, Bruce. We know that. Of course, even the horse would be like, oh, thank you for killing Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Such a jerk. Breeding. So Joanna goes back to the forge. She's looking she, for Ray, and then, he's not there. Then the magic starts to happen. The door closes behind her. By itself. No. What do you mean, no? There's a hand with a stick. What? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll post a screenshot of this. The crack between the hinge, by the, at the hinge side of the door is pretty wide, right? And she's standing there going, Ray? 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 And then the door slowly starts to close and you see this hand with like a broomstick shoving it from behind. (laughs) It's great. That's. But the question is, who really does shut the door? Yeah. Because Jeffrey's already in the smith with the the smithy with uh, the hammer. And he never sort of comes out of the darkness or anything. Like, wouldn't she have seen him? Jeffrey, do you know why Ray's, where Ray is? Oh, by the way, why are you here? The door's shut. Who's that guy with the poke? <laughs> Some Who's... PA with a stick. Oh. Then we get to see Angela's office because, you know, she does the booking books for people to make money because she's poor now because her husband left her with nothing but debt. Now, at this point in time, I had forgotten about the programming. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that it was in the end of the episode. And when they mention the programming, I'm like, dear Lord, don't, don't make me think that Angela programmed that video game. <laughs> that would explain how lame it is. Yeah. No, she does spreadsheet stuff. She's got some kind of weird, we're going to post a picture of it. Maybe somebody will recognize what it is. Yeah. It's kind of like a calendar, but not a calendar. It's a weird thing. It's like rainbow colored, but. You know, she's got papers and files and a computer. So clearly she does a lot of work, even though she doesn't want to. So who owns Bantling Boy now? 
The whole syndicate's dead. Peter. Peter. Why? Because that's what the will said. We missed a chance to have the, the lawyer guy here again. Jocelyn? Yeah. Jocelyn could have explained everything. Yeah. Jocelyn, who we just saw the other night in The Hogfather, which is yes. the, the miniseries based on the Terry Pratchett book. He plays one of the wizards. Everybody is in that. Yeah. But I was like, look, it's Jocelyn. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so Barnaby and Scott go to see Angela. Yeah. And Scott sneaks around and takes out his tr- clever little USB. So he can steal the game. Copy the game. Yeah. So about that. <laughs> you know, not the EXE file. Just He just copies the bookmark from the desktop the to a folder. The things on your desktop are not the computer program. No. But it takes two minutes to transfer it. And it has to make dinging noises the whole time. Every time the file moves over. Ding. 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 Now, somebody did create that icon. Yes. And create that window, that transfer window, because it's transferring from the D disk to the pocket storage device. Yes. Which is Scott's miraculous USB. I was kind of impressed that Peter's laptop had multiple hard drives at this point. I'm impressed that in 2006, Scott was so risque that he just yanks a USB drive from a computer without ejecting it first. See. Who knows what damage he did? Windows, <laughs> Windows people always knew you could take it out. Yeah, I know, but it says you're supposed. So then some people follow Scott rules. reads some some text from the script that he has no idea what it means. <laughs> he followed the pathway plan to the final level. It's a pri- pri- proprietary game that got off the internet and they just changed some variables and had different loops. Mm-hmm. That's not how this works. Well, Scott knows about programming work. He okay. clearly looked at the code and figured that out. Okay. Okay, I'm I'm wrong. Again. Maybe Peter is a really good programmer and commented on all of his changes in the code. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe he documents his changes. It's clean code. You yeah. Know. Yeah. It's a good programmer. Yeah. Agile. <laughs> <laughs> he has scrums every morning with Jeffrey. <laughs> I have a note. Angela is beating her meat. She's tenderizing some kind of steak that she then flambes. Steak Diane. It's in the recipe in the magazine. Do you steak Diane? No, I don't think so. But so that, she just lights it on fire the, to scare Sam? They're desperate. Sam, Sam, who also now disappears in the episode. He's utterly unimportant. Yep. The three of us are together, Jeffrey, Peter, and I. The other thing about this episode. She's stolen Ray's <laughs> child. <laughs> Technology-wise, I found this very interesting. When Tom is talking to Cully about when she went to pony camp, he says something about playing computer games. And she says, no, remember, I hated computers. Yes. And Ray also says he hates computers. But Cully also says that her favorite movie was Terminator. Yeah. Which is the third uh, reference to Arnold Schwarzenegger in the show. (laughs) I just found it interesting that in 2006, it was still something you could say that I hate computers. Nobody says that anymore. No. People might say, I'm not very good with technology or I don't know as much about it as I'd like to. Well, in most places. You can't say, I hate computers. Yeah. That's like saying, I I hate light bulbs. Like, 
you can't live without them anymore. And it's like but I, that is different now than it was when this was filmed. So then it's revealed that Jeffrey is the killer and Peter is the individual pulling the strings. But Jeffrey says, I hate you to Peter when they're found out because he's about to kill Peter. Yeah. Because Peter has told him to kill Angela. Yeah. And he loves Angela. Why? I don't really know. I don't know why Peter wanted Angela dead. I'm not sure either. Angela's like his biggest fan. Yeah. That that kid, Peter, is so random in his reaction to things. Yeah, when they confront him about it, he stares off and they're like, I don't think he can hear us anymore. Yeah, he's in a fugue state now. Okay. I still don't understand why the horse is called Bantling Boy. I don't know why it's not called Hartley Boy. Yeah. I understand that Bantling Manor is Angela's family's home. And when she married Hartley, he became the owner of the house because, you know, the man owns everything or whatever. It was his horse. You'd think he would have called it Hartley Boy. I don't understand. Except he wanted to be a jerk and call it Bastard Boy, basically. How Ray can raise a son to be 12 years old, and then suddenly the son goes, oh, you're not my real father? Oh, well, I'll just completely forget about you. He's nine. He's nine? Yeah. But still. Because Joanna was raped nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Poor Ray. Why would he want to be part of that family knowing that he is the child of rape? Maybe he doesn't know that part. Maybe. Well, certainly at nine, you don't know what that means. Plus, why would Angela want to have him? Because she doesn't have any heirs. I guess. Because Bruce and Mariana didn't have any kids. Probably because she didn't want him anywhere near her. Oh, my gosh. Mariana? Mariana who? (laughs) Tom says, when killing becomes entertainment, we all lose touch with reality. Irony is lost on that sentence. But then he says he made him my... Made myself a nice little killing off of a bet. Yep. Let's have some lunch. I couldn't find the origin of that use of killing to be a windfall. I couldn't find the origin of that. I looked in the OED and all over the place. Yep. And it's it's common usage, but I couldn't find out where it comes from. It's weird. And then he says, let's stop by the pub and tell the owner that we figured out who's been stealing cars from his parking lot. Yes. I don't know who's stealing them. No. And there's a scene of the crime where... Scott finds a car with a broken window. That's a crime scene. Yes. And then just walks in and makes a bet and talks to Trevor. Yeah. Gov's not looking. Yeah. Best corpse of the episode. Before we go there, I just want to note something interesting that I found. So I was, I kept wondering, like, why isn't he just called Harley Boy? Yeah. Right? Why is he called Bantling Boy? You're really on this, aren't you? Well... I just, I wondered if that was important. Yeah. Right. And so I looked into what Hartley means because we know Bantling means bastard, mm-hmm. right? Hartley, heart, a heart, H A R T, is a, a male red, a male deer, specifically a red deer. And Lee is a wood. Yeah. Right. So it, it, that's, that name's fine. Yeah. But then I thought, what are the other names in this episode mean? Okay. Machen. Yep. As in Trevor Re- Machen. Trevor Machen means boar or lout. Well, that's. It's what also he's... a reference to an old French word, Machen, which means schemer. Oh. And then I thought, that fits him. Yeah. I wonder about the other names in the episode. Go on. 
Osgood is a Norse name. Yeah. Uh, it means like God tribe. Yeah. Not that great. Foley. Yeah. Plunderer. Oh. Is what Foley means. It's an Irish name. And Tate, Sam Tate. Yeah. Tate is also a Norse reference. It means cheerful. Oh, he is in his Roman bath. He is very cheerful. He's confident that he's going to own the world, that he gets whatever he wants. But Machen's name, I just thought, man, that is like on the nose. It is. That he is a scheming lout. They were looking for a name and they found that. Yeah. The 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 writers sitting at home. It's also. Listening to our podcast now. <laughs> Stephen Trafford going, hey. It was also a nickname for um, a blacksmith's apprentice. Oh. They called a blacksmith's apprentice a machin. Yeah, that fits too. I thought it was going to be German. I thought it was going to be a reference to like Machen meaning a young lady, like Fraulein. Yeah. Uh, Machen's a girl. Yeah. But no, no. Scheming lout. Excellent. Osgood's supposed to be an all around good guy. I I think, I mean, he's having an affair, but with a woman who's victimized by her husband. So that doesn't make him a bad guy, right? No. Craxton, I couldn't find any information about in case you're curious. Okay. I thought it was interesting. I did as well. Yeah. Anyway. Best corpse. Corpses. We've got Bruce, Trevor, John, and Joanna. And we don't really see their corpses. Not really. The doctor is the only one that we really see. And not for long. But I got to tell you, the crime scene photos that are on the murder wall of uh, Bruce are pretty good. Yeah. And Bruce's crime scene also has the blood puddle with the horse. Yeah. Pawing at it. Yep. So... He may not be the best corpse. There may not be a best corpse, but best crime scene. I'll give Actually, him. I'll give him best corpse because I'm happy to see him dead. <laughs> not the actor, just the character. Yes, yes. After the credits. Poor Ray. Yeah, Ray's alone and probably doesn't have a whole lot of a career. Marianne is in limbo because where else did she go? Marianne is Because she's not going to stay living at Bantling Hall. No. She hates Angela and Angela hates her. Yep. Angela is alone now. She has no Peter and no Jeffrey. Yeah, and no Bruce. No. So maybe she'll marry Sam after all. I don't think so. (laughs) I think Sam was trying to get it on with Joanna. So Angela sells the hall and takes what little proceeds she gets and moves into assisted living or something? Maybe. Sam Tate's just looking to spend money on something. Jake Foley is going to go work at Fallow Fields. I think he will. Who owns the horse? Can't be Peter or Jeffrey. No. Angela? Maybe? Maybe. I would think that Ray might have a reason to sue for the horse, though. Why? It doesn't belong to his real son. It's not his son. (sighs) He raised that son. I guess it depends on whether they legally declare him not Ray's son or not. Yeah. You know. Then they'd have to do, like, a test. Yeah. And they got nobody to test him against. Oh, good point. So who do you, like, Ray no. Ray goes in and says, how do you know it's not my son? Prove it. Yeah, because there's no Hartleys around. Nope. And Joanna's dead. Well, that wouldn't, I mean, it's obviously her daughter. I mean, her son. It's who's his father that they're yeah. trying to prove. And it would have had to be Bruce that they tested. Bruce is dead. And Bruce is dead. So, yeah. Now, they might be able to find a strand of hair somewhere. He didn't have a lot. No, he didn't. 
<laughs> but they can't test Jeffrey because he's he's not a Hartley, so that wouldn't prove anything. Nope. And Bruce is an only child, so that's it. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Ray gets the horse. That would be kind of nice. It would be. And I'm sure, you know, he'd sell it or whatever, but I also think that him and Mariana could live together. Maybe not as husband and wife, but they certainly like each other's company. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe he'll find her. Because <laughs> she's lost. And uh, somebody inherits Trevor's place, but God, who'd want it? Yeah, not me. It was a dump. The guy who used to live here was in a wheelchair, but actually he wasn't. Mm. That they ne- no one ever says, Jack Hughes! No. No. The landlord's going to be like, wait a minute, how long have I been bringing him beers and he could walk the whole time? Yep. <laughs> I should have killed him. <laughs> You damn can, ring ring bell all the time. <laughs> you can find Midsummer Murders on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We post on the Facebook groups in the Midsummer for Midsummer and Acorn, and also the subreddit for Midsummer Murders. What's our next episode? Next episode is thirty nine. Episode uh, season five, eight. Episode five. Five second sight. Oh. A nutsy Bobo the episode. The Faraday Cage. The Faraday Cage. The Weird Brothers. The Strange Father. Yeah, baby. The the uh, gambling machines. <laughs> all sorts of weirdness. I like that episode yep. a lot. And then the one after that's one of my favorites. So we're done with this one. I'm going to go um, celebrate my birthday. Yes. Happy birthday. Thanks. It's Mother's Day tomorrow, too. I know. We're recording this on Saturday. Yep. We stack up our holidays. Sarah's birthday is usually right the day before or the day after Mother's Day, and my birthday is within a week of Father's Day all the time. Yeah. It has been. Goodbye, Bantling Boy. I will not miss this episode. (laughs) But hey, we're going to post a picture of this mysterious thing in Angela's office. If you know what it is, let us know. Yep. We'll also post a picture of the uh, the ghosty hand remember, with the stick. <laughs> remember, download your games from the internet and just change some loops and variables. Follow the pathway. It'll take you to the final level. Whole new Easy experience. Easy peasy. Yep. And if you have a Knoll sofa in your house, we want to see a picture. Yep. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Okay. Breathless badger. It's certainly not one of our children out mowing the lawn.